Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is increasing your conversion rates where small changes have great impact. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Convertica. Convertica is an agency that specializes in helping websites make more bottom line revenue through maximizing their existing customer value. A big hello to Kurt Phillip. Hi, Kurt. Andy, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting about my favorite subject. You know, it is one of my favorite subjects as well, conversion. So it should be a great episode. And let me start by saying, you know, I really like your company name, Convertica, because it is not often that you can incorporate exactly what you do into your company name and increase conversions. Mm -hmm. And I assume that's what you're doing, right? Yeah, well, I think I think if you're a conversion optimization company, you yourself should uh, employ the same tactics that you get paid to uh, to do for your customers, right? So, yeah, we're coming up with the the name. Originally, we were called the CRO guy when it was me and a few few assistants, but. Uh, very quickly grew out of that name and, and uh, rebranded to Convertica. And it's been, it's been a great four, four and a half years ever since. So well, it's a great choice. Now mm. let's just jump right into a hypothetical. Say sure. you are an e-commerce company, mm-hmm. you're an e-commerce owner and your conversion rates are poor. Mm-hmm. Where would you even start if you want to increase your conversion? You know, like in, in 2021, it's super super easy to set up an online store, right? You can go on mm-hmm. Shopify, you can go on on uh, WooCommerce, you can set it all up yourself. And I think this is where the, the problem lies, where most people are using the out-of-box themes and using the sort of templates that come with, or by premium templates uh, that come with these, these stores. And they're not necessarily... Uh, developed from a marketing perspective or a sales perspective, they're usually easy to operate, easy to make changes, easy to upload content, but not necessarily uh, from a conversion perspective. So the the thing we see the most that gets the, if there was like one overall thing to do on an e-commerce website that would uh, guarantee an increase in conversions every time, it's to build more trust and credibility on your website. Now, what I mean by that is when someone's finding you, generally they don't know who you are unless you're a well-known brand but if you're a boutique e-commerce store um, you've got you know 10 15 20,000 visitors a month it's most likely someone's typed in buy best best x you know whatever mm-hmm. your product is or something something similar and then they trust your website when you come to it because you rank well on google or you're you're driving ads people don't really question it so in order to make them push through to the sale you want to make sure that you have that credibility and trust now you do that is reviews, testimonials, case studies, 
um, reviews of your own product on your own site, showing in depth how the product works. Most people just upload their products, add the price, maybe run a before and after price sale. That's you sure. know, that's what everyone now, does these days. So talking about trust, I mean, it's kind mm -hmm. of a catch twenty two, right? You've just started a store. You don't have reviews, right? You just started selling your widget. How, mm -hmm. what do you do? So the best way to do it is to give away your product. Like give it out to your friends, give it to uh, influencers. That, that's a really good way to do it. I mean, you don't want to go out and just cold uh, message people about um, trying your product out. But if you can get people who are well known, that's even better. But Having testimonials off your friends and family or, or anyone in your circle, your business circle can, can help, you know, just honestly reviewing the product. You can, if you get negative feedback from your product, well, your customers will eventually find that out too. So use that feedback as a way to improve your product or your service um, and, and deliver it better. But you need those, those testimonials in 2021, you need them hundred percent because that's, what's going to differentiate you from, from the rest of your competition. Now, what, what is a good conversion rate? What is that number that if you're not doing at least this, you should be really worried mm -hmm. as a business owner? I think it's, I get asked that on almost every call that I do when, um, when I'm on a sales call or a, or a podcast. And it's sort of like a vanity metric. People want to know if their website's converting well against the rest of uh, the websites in their, in their industry. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's also very misleading because there's so many factors that come into what is a good conversion rate. You might have, you might be running a campaign that's in a very generic uh, industry. For instance, you might have a banner advertisement on a, on a very large website that's getting like a million clicks a month. Your conversion rate is going to be super low if it's super generic. Whereas if you're running Google ads to a buy best X keyword, um, your conversion rate will be much higher, but low traffic. So there's really no way to give a, a good a good sort of number on what is a good conversion rate because it really depends on the traffic source and the buyer intent of that traffic source and so on. So people go out there and there's tons of case studies that show and, and blog posts that show what industry averages are, but it also is very, it's not giving you a clear indication by looking at the average because the spread is so far across there. Right? And I know, I wish I could give an answer, but there honestly is no answer to that question. Now, speaking of traffic sources, do you find, I know, you know, I specialize in, in Google ads and especially Google shopping ads, and typically mm -hmm. those are going to have a higher conversion rate than mm -hmm. organic. Correct. Do you find a pattern such as that on conversion really across the board? Again, it comes down to the buyer intent of the keywords, you know, like if you're typing in just like if you've got a golfing website and you're just ranking for golf in general, you're going to have a huge amount of traffic, but that buyer right. intent is going to be super low. Whereas if you type in best golf, golf clubs, um, gold, and you're looking for a gold, gold golf club, um, you're going to convert much higher, but the traffic is going to be a, a lot lower. So that doesn't matter if it's paid. It doesn't matter if it's shopping. It doesn't matter if it's organic or even Facebook is a little bit of a different strategy, but but yeah, it doesn't really matter on the source. It just depends on the buyer intent of the traffic that's coming to your, your website. So we talked about trust as being the number one element. What, what are a couple more that mm -hmm. people should say, you know, you tell them and they're like, oh no, I, I better get to work on that. It, it, it's really amazing the type of sites we see come in that are, that are doing some good numbers, but are an absolute... Um, difficult user experience to actually buy the product. 
So a lot of times you see these out of out of out of uh, box themes where you add a, a, pro, uh, a product to the cart and then there's a little animation and the cart icon jiggles and that's all it doesn't say anything. It doesn't give the user the next step on what to do to go to checkout or view the cart or anything. Um, and just go through and see how easy it is to buy your product. Make it super simple. So if you have a low order volume per, per visitor or per customer, let's just say you sell one or two products on average, have a little pop-up that says check out or view cart or and have a thing at the bottom saying uh, or continue shopping. Give them an option, sort of like push them in the direction that you want them to go in um, because that, that really helps and make it very clear what they can do next. Having no steps or not giving them any steps to, to go next um, is, is huge for, for bounce rate and, and uh, lower conversions. But also another thing is also having trust and security icons is actually really huge still. There's still a lot of sites that um, don't have them, you know, showing that this site's secure, showing that you accept all different credit card types, showing that you have a shipping policy that's very clear because you want to keep that user uh, sort of frictionless and, and you want to empty their insecurity from their minds so that they might bounce. You want all that removed and you want to keep them sort of in that flow state and having all these icons over the side or just below the very popular habit just below the add to cart button uh, helps keep them in this state of, of security and and trust you know very interesting you named quite a few things and i noticed that price was not one of them price is perceived you know it's you can for commodity products like uh, things that are bought on price. Okay, that's different. Let's say paper or staples or car tires to an extent. But if it's a, if it's say, uh, cam, I'm just saying this because my wife was looking for it the other day. If it's like uh, organic kombucha making tools and like mm -hmm. ingredients, there's no real tied value to it. So it comes down to how you tell your story, how high perceived value your product is you're selling and so on. Uh, it's not as important as as a lot of people think. Obviously, to a point, you got to have like the you got to test price um, that, to a point. If you're not making any sales and and you've got a huge margin, let's say you're buying at fifty and you're selling it for hundred, we'll maybe bring it down a little bit to until it starts making sales. But when I'm when I'm giving these conversion tips, it's more sort of stuff that most people aren't doing versus you know most people who get to the point of doing conversion optimization already are making sales already. Are, generating conversions and then they're trying to like uh, maximize them. So. so conversion, that's one of those levers that, that really can impact business where just a small change can, can grow your bottom line huge. Let's, let's go over some numbers. What can a small lift in your conversion rate mean to some of the bottom line revenues? Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's, you can generate more revenue from the same amount of spend on since you were talking about you're an AdWords specialist, you can generate more uh, cost per click. So you can, if you're paying a thousand dollars a day on on ad budget, any any revenue you make on top of that is going to come to the bottom line, right? So it's very common that we see over the total campaign of most of our clients work with us for about six months. Most of them um, will see twenty to forty over the lifetime of the campaign. With all the with all the increases uh, added up, 
um, to the bottom line revenue. Those are sort of numbers we aim for when we work with clients. So um, obviously if we see a site that's perfectly polished and that's like perfectly conversion optimized, maybe, you know, we're not just going to take them on just to work with them. We work with sites that we go, okay, this needs work here. This needs work here and so on. Um, but yeah, on average, it's usually between that above that 20% anyway. So. Now, given how much it can increase the bottom line number, do you find that most companies spend enough time focusing on, on really working to improve their conversion rates? Four years ago, I would say absolutely not. I think as the market's maturing and uh, this space is becoming more savvy, um, it's starting to become more common. I can just tell by the amount of competition now that are around compared to four or five years ago. There was really only five or 10 competition now there. Now it's just completely saturated. So, um, which just shows that the the awareness of conversion optimization is is becoming a thing. And I think post COVID, as a lot of businesses went solely online, mm-hmm. um, it's happened. It's happened more and more. You know, they they want to work out how to increase their profit margins. They start reading about conversion optimization. They go down that whole rabbit hole because it's a whole it's a whole different world once you discover it in itself. It's like it's like SEO. Once you go down the world of SEO, it can gobble you up. So, um, yeah, I think it's becoming more more of a mature industry. So it's becoming more popular. So if a client, when they first come to you, where do you guys start? I mean, is there a, a template that you have? You know, you're checking this box. Do they have the trust factor? Do they have mm-hmm. a good site experience? Is it is it a fast? I mean, where, where do you guys start with a new client? Yeah, so we'll go through and look at where the traffic's flowing to start. So we'll we'll look at their analytics and we'll see where the users are spending most of the time, where most of them are going to. Generally, you can, out of all the pages on a website, there'll be five to 10 that have 99% of the traffic. So then we'll focus on optimizing those areas for the testing duration because we run a lot of A-B tests. So um, we'll focus on those because that's where we're going to be able to run tests. Generally, you need a lot of traffic to be able to run, run A-B tests. So, so yeah, we'll look at the category pages, the product pages, cart and checkout primarily is where we'll focus most of our time because that's where um, that's where most of the sort of buying decisions are being made, which we need to, uh, to optimize. Now, do you have a favorite success story of one of your clients that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, there's actually a case study on our homepage about a, a client called Just Thrive who sell an, an, a probiotic. Uh, about three years ago, there wasn't too many competition around now as there are today, but um, they came to us and they were looking to leverage sales by adding a subscribe and save type model, just like on Amazon. So um, we went and added that feature in, but what they wanted to make sure, and this was very clear on the uh, on the welcome call was that they didn't want people signing up on the subscribe and save and then canceling after one month and buying the buying the product for cheaper because obviously that mm-hmm. is a loss leader so the first product they sell on that subscribe and save doesn't really make them anything until they you know month four month five or whatever um so we tested tested that and we tested a bunch and we go through a detail on our on the case study that's on our homepage. um but we ended up uh, doubling revenue on this client's client's website, which allowed them to scale scale the business a lot. And now it's now they've grown very large. And I don't know if they're the the leader in the in the space, but they're doing some really really large numbers now, just from A/B testing and conversion optimization, just by mainly 
uh, optimizing their product page and the way that the users flow through. And we really pushed the subscribe and save model as the main option and really showed all the benefits and features and how much they would save and, and so on. So it, uh, it worked really well in that case. But if they want to read more, they can jump over to our convertica.org on the homepage and, and they'll see that case study there. Now, on the flip side there, are there any challenges that sometimes you guys struggle with mm -hmm. in trying to increase a client's conversion rate? Yeah, the, I'd say the there's, there's a couple. So the, the main issue would be uh, oscillating traffic volume. So, you know, a client might come to us when times are good and they want to, maybe they want to sell in two years and they're looking to maximize the revenue on their site before they before they exit. And then for whatever reason, maybe the trend ends on there. Maybe their product is part of a trend and it dies off. Uh, we saw this with um, people selling PPE equipment, masks and sanitizer mm. and so on. And there were guys mm. doing so much money in this space, like tens of thousand dollars a day from a startup um, when this happened, when COVID really, uh, about a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, and then it just, then it just died and we were like mid running tests. And then mm -hmm. the tests, all of a sudden we would been able to run a test a week or a test every two weeks. And then the tests, you know, draw out for two months now, because the, of course everyone's, everyone's good now. They don't need this equipment and to buy this stuff. So um, that that's one uh, area. Another one I, is, I gotta a, say that's, that's a trend. I don't mind seeing end. Of course, of course. But <laughs> no, you gotta, offense, no you, offense to your no, clients, no, but <laughs> no, you got to, you got to, yeah. I think the owners would be the ones here because they think they're on to the next, the next, uh, you know, thing that's going to set them up for life, and they've just invested all this money into stock and everything, and then boom, it's over. So, yeah, sure. So lack, some... so lack of traffic is is a big one, or traffic yeah. drying up. I should or say. ending of trend, or ending of trends in general. Another one with those, a couple of years ago with those fidget spinners, those things that were. Really oh yeah, 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 yeah. There was guys doing thousands and thousands a day on on these uh, things, and then they went and bought heaps of stock, and then, and then that. Uh, that had the same same thing. The other one is a little different where we've, we've got a team that does everything from start to finish, runs the test, does the redesigns, does the um, reporting and full integration of the, the winning split tests. Or if they're not doing split tests and they're just doing conversion optimization, our team does all the coding and implementation on the site. And But what will happen is uh, a lot of times if a client's already got a dev team, um, it can be a sort of a clashing point because all of a sudden you've got another team stepping in and like developers are very uh, funny about their code. You know, they don't like other people touching it and coming in. So yeah. that's the other issue is trying to make it as seamless as possible. We have, you know, what we want to achieve and what the owner of the website wants to achieve, but sometimes the ways to get there can be, uh, it's been an experience. We, we have a very good process now for doing it, but it was a learning experience. That's for sure. What you talked about code, are you guys agnostic platform? Can you work on anything or is there certain platforms that you guys really specialize in with your service? To be honest, 95, 90, 95% of the websites you work on are either Shopify or, or WordPress. Um, it's just the way that the industry has evolved and they are the easiest to work with in terms of being able to edit and configure and so on. We work with some Drupal, some 
straight up PHP coded sites. What about um, like a big commerce or Magento? Yeah, big commerce is fine. Big commerce is fine because it's primarily PHP and HTML. So it's essentially the same as WordPress. It has a few little bugs and stuff, but we've worked with a few now that's fine. But Magento is one of the ones that we just stay clear of. It's Yahoo's uh, small the business. whole beast. Uh, we don't come across any of them. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, the, not that we've, yeah, we haven't personally come across any of them. Um, so. so let me ask before we really jump more into your services, but you know, personally, as you've grown this agency um, from, you said, a small team to, to a much larger here, have there been any business books out there that you can attribute to your journey as an entrepreneur? Yeah, many. I'm a very avid, avid reader. In terms of business books, the, a couple of the early foundational ones, the E-Myth was, was a huge one. Built to Sell is another one that not necessarily even if you want to sell your business, but building a business to be able to run itself and scale. Um, that taught me um, a lot, a lot about that. Um, I'm just looking at my shelf right now, actually, while we're talking. Biology is a good one too, about consumer buyer awareness and like how, how pe why people buy and what, what they're incentivized by. Um, and I just read a great one. It was actually in my top five. Now, it's not directly related to business, but it's directly related to your psychology. And this helped me a lot. And it's called The Psychology of Money by uh, Morgan Housel. Fantastic book. Um, I'll read that again soon for sure. So there's, that's just a few um, that sort of kicked me off. But I think the one that really got me into business, surprisingly, was the four-hour work week about 15 Tim, years ago right? the tim ferris all right yeah yeah that totally taught me business in a weird way like a lot of people's goal is to live the four-hour work week but there's also it's also a way to hack running a business and then it teaches you all the business schools it's like a real life mba how to hire how to scale how to automate how to build you know assets and sell them and so on and uh yeah that book started it for me and that's where the the journey sort of so back to your agency mm -hmm. what problems do you believe that you solve for your clients and how are you able to stand apart from your competition having worked now with i think we're around 750 websites now in the last four four and a half years the main thing that differentiates us is we don't spend a lot of time on research which some people like, some people don't like, but we can get straight in there and start testing and improving conversions because we just have so much data now. So we have, we have uh, spreadsheets and spreadsheets of different industries, different type of sites we've worked on, um, what won, what lost, the win-loss ratios for them all. So we can see, okay, let's just say a, a PPE equipment website came to us. We've already tested four or five of them and this worked you know, four out of five times, this worked three out of five times and had a 20% uh, conversion rate increase. This did 15. And then we just test the things we've tested in the past uh, because there's a high success that they'll also work well on, on the client's website. And that's the sort of strategy we employ now. Obviously, it was very different at the start. You know, when we were starting mm -hmm. out, we had to sort of learn and whatever. Now, it's very, uh, it's a very quick, uh, well-oiled machine. I think that's what separates us most because I hear from some clients They've worked with other um, firms and they spend a month, six weeks, like running tests on what the users are doing and 
where they're clear and like a lot of heuristic stuff and and then they get started in month two or three whereas i think we have the first test running around 10 days seven to ten days so it's that's probably the biggest differentiator now let me ask you had mentioned a couple times how one of the problems it's so easy and people like for shopify just put in a theme and you can start selling right now mm-hmm. when you guys are converting is there a particular look like if you're using shopify or you look you're like wow i really like this theme and are your clients kind of looking the same after a while because that's what works or is it more that you take what they're doing with their theme and then you're adding different elements yeah, correct. The second second part, obviously, a lot of the big companies we work with, like most seven and eight figure businesses that we work with already have very strong branding guides and guidelines that we have to follow. So it's not so much that we're copying and pasting the tests from other clients. It's more, you know, what was it about the test? Was it the function? It's more the functionality of, of the site. And like I said before, you know, if... Uh, let's just say the mattress niche niche for example if if you're in the mattress niche and most of your customers 99.9% of your customers is just buying one product because mm-hmm. they're just buying one mattress they're not going to buy three mattresses if that's the case and we can see that in the data then we'll send people straight to the checkout after they add to cart or we'll just mm-hmm. say buy now and they'll go straight to the checkout rather than in putting steps in place that they could possibly drop off. We want to get them straight to that checkout process. That's one that's proved to, to work really well on, on low order sites like that. So that's what I mean by looking at test data and seeing what works. Or another really good one is uh, having a buy now button at the bottom of on mobile at the bottom of the screen, that's always sticky on the product pages. So as soon as they scroll past the product image, the buy now button pops up and it's always just above the thumb. So even if the, even if the user is, you know, right at the bottom of the product description, if they see, oh yeah, that cool, does have that feature, I want it. They don't have to scroll to the top again and possibly lose interest or whatever. They can just hit the add to cart right there while they're ready to go. That's a great um, idea. Yeah. I'm surprised so Amazon. Tested that a lot. I'm surprised Amazon's not doing that. Yeah, they've got a, Amazon's a complicated one though because they have a lot of cross selling and like ah, they have so yes, many features yes. at the bottom. Right, yeah, this is more true. for very very specialized um, product pages that have one goal type of thing. So I see on your website, it states that you guys will increase 20 to hundred percent using conversion rate optimization. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about that number. It's, it's quite a range 20 to hundred percent. How did you get to that? Is that an average? How did you get to that number? And what services are you, are you offering that predict those kind of results? Yeah. So we just looked at, like I said, we don't take on every client. We take on clients that we know we can get good results for. So we looked at, it was about a year and a half ago, two years ago, we looked at the average of all our, our wins for our clients. And we saw that it was much higher than that 20% at the time. We were working with primarily affiliate and lead gen sites at the time. Um, now e-commerce is our, our main thing, but um, we just saw that, okay, when people want, when people are working with conversion rate optimization, they want to know, especially during the sign-up phase, what you know. What are you going to get me on the low side? Like, what is the minimum you'll be able to get us? Because they're paying a certain monthly rate. They want to just work out, you know, when they're going to get ROI. That's all, that's perfectly what our business is, you know, summed up as. So, yeah, um, that's why because that's the range in which 
our clients uh, get get their increases on average. Um, and if we get to that, if we don't get to the twenty percent by the end of the campaign, by the end of the six months period, then we just keep testing until we do. And I think last year we had one refund. The year before we had two or three. So it's it's a system that's worked well. And eventually, you know, some clients are slower than others, and we might test for four months after a no extra charge, but we eventually get there. Um, it just takes a bit more time. But is it a, a six? Is it a six month contract then that you? Did you have with clients? Yeah, generally. So we have the AB split testing service, um, which is our, our main service. But as of uh, about, I think it was about a year ago now, we started offering a best practices package, which is for new websites and sites with low traffic. Because we've got so much data now, um, like I said earlier, we can predict with high high probability that what, what tests will work on what site. That one doesn't come with the 20 to 100% increase because we can't split test. So there's so many other factors that may come into play when they introduce new traffic sources or introduce any traffic sources at all. But um, that's that's uh, expectations are set with that one. And that's just a one-off fee for that because we just go through in, in one month and rebuild the website based on what converts best. So Now you had mentioned you're mostly e-commerce. Do you do anything else? Do you do professional services optimized for that or... Are you guys exclusively e-commerce? No, we do pretty much most monetization methods now. So we, after COVID, um, before COVID, it was probably 30, 30 to 40%, I think, was e-commerce. Now it's 60 to 70%, I'd say. Um, we do a lot of lead gen websites, like uh, business websites that want to generate leads. Um, and we do a lot of affiliate websites too. So top 10 type websites and best review um, websites where they're comparing different products and they get an affiliate commission from Amazon or, or other affiliate platforms. Um, SaaS businesses, we work with, we work with quite a few, a lot less, but they're usually larger. So um, yeah. What else? I think it's probably about it. Obviously a few other monetization methods here and there, a few professional services. Like you said, we have a few SEO companies that we work with to optimize their lead generation um, to get them leads and, and phone calls. But, but yeah, mostly, Mostly e-commerce and All right, so, affiliate. So back to e-commerce, is there mm-hmm. a, is that's most of the listeners to the show, is mm-hmm. is there a size requirement? Do they need to be a certain size to have the traffic before they would be a, a good fit for your agency to work with? Yeah, for the A-B split testing, absolutely. So we wouldn't really start looking at an e-commerce website unless it was above 50,000 visitors a month, um, sometimes lower sometimes 20,000 if it's, if it's, there's only a few products and most of the traffic's running through those few products, but um, there's, it's sort of like, it depends, right? Cause if they have one product and they've got 20,000, that's by far, by far enough. Um, revenue wise or order wise, like a hundred to 500 is a good starting point, but again, it just, it depends on the traffic and the order volumes. So, so and- yeah, the main thing, main, most important thing is traffic for that. Over the six months, is that a flat fee? Is that mm-hmm. based on a percentage of increase? How, how do you guys structure your fees? It can get very complicated with those structure, uh, you know, doing a percentage fee. I know a lot of companies do them, but um, we still a flat fee for that. Um, and then at the end of the campaign, if we think there's still room to increase, because, you know, six months is quite a quite an extended period where things change, um, then we usually negotiate different different arrangements based on, 
because we understand the character, the side and the potential it has by then. So um, sometimes we set goals, like if we increase by another 10%, we get X mm-hmm. bonus and things like that. But generally for that first six month campaign, it's, uh, it's just a flat fee. Got it. Now, how can an interested listener, whether they're perfect or not, learn more if they wanted to to know about working with you guys? Yeah, so our website is Convertica.org, or you can find us uh, on YouTube, Convertica, Twitter, Convertica. So we've got a very uh, original name where it's very easy to find us. So just uh, chuck us into, into Google and Convertica, all our properties will come up, so... Awesome. Well, this has been great. Thank you again for joining us. You have given us a ton of great information. Andy, I appreciate it. I always love uh, sharing the knowledge and uh, look forward to meeting some of your listeners. Great. Well, for listeners out there, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Convertica or connecting with Kurt, you can find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, Check out our all-new podcast resource center now available at www.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all the different past guests by show topics and have included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any services that I've discussed during previous episodes. Again, to access, you can go to www.makeeachclickcount.com. Click on the link to the podcast resource center found at the top navigation menu. That's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.